all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually changing my tissue in a way I didn't know was possible. I had a detox reaction. I had like a hot, cold flush right away. I was like, knew I was releasing toxins in my body from doing this specific stretch. Hey guys, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Carly and Mia. Hey guys, welcome back to another great episode. Yeah, this is going to be such a good one. It's something that a lot of people probably don't know about. So we're talking with Bonnie Kratzer all about fascia flossing. Yes, I had no idea what this was about, but Bonnie talks all about it's basically just a a better way to do deep stretching. And Carly will talk about this more because you've had sessions with Bonnie, but this episode was really interesting just to learn about something that I hadn't known about before. And she has a really cool story that led her to work in this industry and create her own workout line. So it's a good episode and something I really, really need to do. So tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's so, it's so cool. She talks about obviously what fascia flossing is, which is like Mia said, it's kind of like integrative stretching and she goes into like how it's different from traditional stretching and how Chinese medicine, how it plays in with Chinese medicine and the different channels in the body. She tells the whole story about how she got into it and how she grew up as a dancer and she danced professionally. And then all the benefits, something that like Mia mentioned, I've, I've gone to Bonnie for sessions for fascia flossing, but she also teaches classes virtually. So it's, you can do it at home just like any other stretch, but it's just a little bit different. If she explains it, I think as like moving, stretching how animals move. Like it's all kind of very intuitive. And so that's, yeah, that's also my new thing this week. So I've been doing it now for almost a month. I think I've seen her three times. All it is really is like, she tells you certain, she works on certain areas of your body. So for example, if she's working on like my hamstring, you're laying down on your back and she's pulling your hamstring down as you're pushing it up, you're creating force for her. And she's literally just flossing out the scar tissue and the built up dense fascia that builds up there. So she talks in the episode about why it gets built up and why we need to do this practice and everything. But anyway, from seeing her three times, I'm not even kidding. I've noticed a huge difference. I've done chiropractor, I've done acupuncture, physical therapy, like all the things. And they're all so helpful. Like I love all of them, but this was like the biggest change that I saw just from one session. So it was actually clearly visible just from like looking at myself. It was so crazy because my legs were like more of a straight line. Whereas before, like my calf turned in and my thigh like turned out a little bit and everything was just more straight and, and like lifted just like crazy. So very, very cool. I'm definitely going to continue seeing her. It's definitely been really helpful. It's helped with my posture and everything like that. So highly recommend. And also she talks about ghost flower. Like Mia just mentioned that she founded ghost flower active. Did you mention that? (laughs) Yes. I said her (laughs) workout line. Yeah. And the clothes are so, they look so cute. They look like they're really great quality. Bonnie's wearing them every time I I go to her apartment to do the sessions Mm -hmm. with her. Um, And she gave us a discount. So you can use code mostly balanced for 20% off. Yes, I need new workout clothes. So I definitely will be using that code. But I know fascia flossing feels like it's just like a massage, an internal massage for your muscles and your limbs. And I think I really want Dan to do it because he also suffers from he had first of all, he had hip surgery and it's such a tight shoulder. And I feel like that's the stuff that a lot of PT can't really crack. And I think something like that, where it's working through scar tissue is so helpful for so many people. And I just feel like people, if they knew about it more, would use this as just a great way for rehabilitating and recovery. So I really want to try it. And Bonnie's so cute. I love the episode. You will too. But one of the new things I'm trying, we might've talked about this earlier on the podcast, but it is Branch Basics. So it's an all natural cleaning product. So it's so cute. We got sent a starter package. So empty biodegradable recycling bottles. And then they send you this big tub of concentrate that is the cleaning liquid that you'll mix in to use for all of your products. So whether it's for your bathroom, your mirror spray, your all-purpose spray, 
It's kind of like a little science experiment. Each bottle has a line where you can fill up with water and then you'll put in different ratios of the concentrate. So it's fun to even set up. I did it this morning and had like a fun little science experiment in my kitchen and cleaned my entire apartment. So it's sparkling and so nice. But the best thing about this, I really love that you can recycle all of the bottles. So you just have to keep rebuying the concentrate. So right there, you're eliminating all the waste and all of the products are sustainable and safe and they're all natural. They're plant and mineral based, fragrance free, no harmful preservatives or toxic ingredients. So it's a a company that is nice to support and the packaging is so cute. So even when I was cleaning, I'm like, I kind of want to keep these cleaning products out in sight because they're so cute. Yeah. I have them out in my counter in my kitchen. I feel like they're so cute and in my bathroom. I don't know why I said in my kitchen, but no, I love them. And it really made me think about the different products that I had been using before starting Mm -hmm. to use them, like the laundry detergent. Yeah. What else? I feel like this has been such a fun weekend. So yesterday we did a salt drop class in Fort Greene park. park and it was so fun. And we met up with Zoya, who was a former guest. She came with us and then we got coffee. And today we're going out to lunch at double zero, which I'm so excited because I've always wanted I'm to I'm so excited. The pizza looks amazing. We're meeting another former guest. So we're so excited. And upcoming like guest. An upcoming guest. We've recorded <laughs> with her, but haven't released it yet. So stay tuned for many more episodes. But no, I'm so excited for today. We've had just a weekend of hanging out the whole, the whole weekend. It's been so fun. It's also yeah. 90 degrees in New York City today. I know it's so crazy. On another note of going out today and the world opening up after being shut down for a year and now it's suddenly 90 degrees, I have no clothes anymore. None. Yeah. I feel like I don't know what to wear today. The world is just a whole new place. Suddenly all everything I own just like doesn't feel like it's in style anymore. I don't I forget what to wear when it's this. I, I took out pants to wear yesterday and then saw it was also like 89 degrees and I, I just forget how to dress myself. <laughs> I feel like though, honestly, like pandemic aside, like I, this time of year, I'm always like a little bit confused, confused. Well, I'll text you after this to see what you're wearing. Yes. (laughs) Well, I hope you guys love this episode. Again, Bonnie was so great on the episode, but I wanted to make sure that like I talked about this service, like actually experiencing it myself because it's been so amazing. And I highly recommend she has a website. We can link it in the show notes so that you guys can reach out to her if you're interested in this session and also check out her on the platform, on the ghost flower platform. And then also on sky ting, we'll put all of this in the show notes, but she does regular challenges too, where day or 10 day flossing challenge. That could be a great entryway into trying it out. Yes, I can't wait. And it's so nice. You can do them at home, even though if you can see Bonnie, it sounds like a really great experience. And the results that you speak to, I'm glad that you were able to go experience it and share with everyone. Yes. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you. Welcome back. Today we are here with a former professional ballet dancer, co-founder of Ghost Flower Activewear, and fascia enthusiast, Bonnie Kratzer. So we're so excited to have you. Welcome to Mostly Balanced. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to chat with you guys today. Yes, I can't wait. We have so many fun things to get into. Let's start by just hearing a little bit more about you. So where are you from? And tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do. I'm from Santa Barbara, California. I grew up here and bopped around a bit after college. I went to University of California and then I moved around quite a bit. San Francisco, Hawaii, Boston and Santa Barbara kept kind of pulling me back until New York really actually captured me. That was five years ago. And so I'm kind of happily in New York, but get to come back to California pretty often as well. My co-founders of Ghost Flower are out here and I get to visit my family, of course. Was most of that bopping around because of dance? Yeah, I danced in San Francisco for about a year and I sprained my ankle terribly (laughs) and I continued to waitress and teach and all this and I I couldn't heal. So I finally was like, okay, city life right now isn't working. I had done my yoga teacher training the summer before. So I went to Hawaii to volunteer and complete my training hours. (laughs) And then I moved back to Santa Barbara just briefly to 
finish healing and I was taking class with the ballet company here and they invited me to do their swan lake. They're like, hey, we need an extra swan. I was like, sure, I'll do that. I was healed (laughs) enough. And then that turned into, hey, will you do Nutcracker with us? Hey, will you do the next show with us? And then it evolved into a seven year stint, (laughs) a, a contract with that company. So I was there and then I and I got invited to perform with a modern dance company in New York. I did that for a bit. And then I moved to Boston because I met a man named Bob Cooley, who's my former teacher about the fascia work that I do. And I started training with him. Then he decided to open a studio in Santa Barbara. So then I got looped back to Santa Barbara for a few more years. Oprah caught wind of our work. We started working on her and she put us in her her magazine and he wanted to capture the interest that that could potentially create. And so he asked me to open a studio in New York or help support that opening. So then I went to New York and then it stuck. And then I was like, this is right. I'm staying here. I got to dance. I was getting lots of cool clients. It was just, I knew it was right in that moment. Wow. Yes. New York really has that way of capturing you and bringing you back. But it's so cool the experience you had in all of those different places and got to see, I feel like, such varied lifestyles. And I mean, being a professional ballerina and all of those performances must have been amazing. I hearing you talk about Swan Lake and the Nutcracker, like all I want to do is go and watch a live ballet performance now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I want to hear more about growing up as a dancer, a little bit about your background Mm. and how you were so in tune with your body at a young age and how that kind of carried through all of the things you did to now? That's such a sweet question because dance was my first love, of course. My mom put on Brishnikov's Nutcracker when I was three, three and a half. And she said it was the first time I sat still for more than 30 seconds and my eyes were glued to the screen for three hours. So oh after gosh. that, yeah, it was. it's kind of a moment. I feel like I knew in that moment that That's what I was meant to do in this lifetime was to dance. And my folks say that I would just knock everything over dancing around the house until they first put me in gymnastics. They tried that. That didn't work. It was ballet class that that really captured me. And I really honed in on that art form. When I was a kid, the ballet teacher asked my parents, has she taken class before? She's quite talented, but can you teach her her right and left? Because she really can't can't keep track. (laughs) And even to this day, I cannot do right and left. It's just like the logical aspect of my brain is not as strong as the analytical aspect. But anyhow, it just, went from there. And I think around like 11, I started getting really serious about my training and it reflected in my grades and my ability to focus in school. And after that, I, I had a lot easier time with my academics. When I was younger, it was harder to focus, but dance showed me that I could excel and I could be successful at things. And so that kind of really affected me, which is amazing. And yeah, I just knew at a young age that that's what I was meant to do. And of course, like I've been looking at bodies since I was four years old, completely in love with different shapes and how we can move and just studying without studying, observing without knowing I was observing the body. And that kind of has fed my interests in supporting other people in their journey with their body and movement. It's interesting the way you said it affected your academic, the way you were performing academically too, after you could, after you saw how you could excel in dance. And then when you mentioned earlier, when you were talking about dancing professionally, did you say you also did modern dance at one point? Yeah, we did lots of modern and contemporary in the companies I was in, which I'm really grateful for because after a certain age, I was like, I am not a classical ballerina. (laughs) I really love to move in different ways and feel dynamic and create. And it's interesting if you think of dance as a language because every choreographer has their own language. And in a way, a dancer has to be good at learning that language immediately on the spot. 
that because in ballet, you have a lexicon that relates to each step. So you can say pas de beret, you already know what pas de beret is, but when you meet a new choreographer and they're creating movement on the spot, or they're just creating new movement to you, you don't have that matching analytic ability to already know what the step is. You have to visually see it, interpret it for your body. And so there's a very heightened state of, or a a required heightened state of your mind present moment, your physical, you're using your mind, you're using your emotional body. It's like all things involved. And when you're really there, it's, it's a miracle. It's heaven on earth. It's present time, but evolves into when time is relative and you lose track and it's almost out of body, but you're completely in your body at the same time. It's hard to explain, but I'm sure everyone's had that experience, whether you're a surfer on a wave or you're a golfer and you hit that ball or you're new to yoga and you hit that pose and you balanced and you're like, whoa, I didn't know I could do that. I mean, everyone has their own version of this experience. And I'm just so blessed that it was my job to, to try to bring myself in that state. I love that. Like what a beautiful description of dance. And it's so true. It's so, it, it brings you in and embraces you and you can get lost in it, but it truly is so great to like sharpen your mind and remember all of these things. It actually is a very like intellectual Mm. practice at the same time like we even joke or I even joke that like doing dance cardio classes feels like I have to like use my memory and remember things (laughs) totally it's like really challenging on the mind and I even say to friends we do this class called moves my friends Lauren Gary and Marissa Compatello in New York teach this underground amazing sexy dance class and friends will come who aren't dancers and they'll be like oh my gosh this is so hard I'm like yeah even as a former dancer, it's still hard for me to learn choreography. It's it's a really tough thing to do and also a really good thing to do because looking back, I always thought I wasn't smart. Like I wasn't an intelligent person. Like I was the girl in the pink tutu running around. Like all of my friends were super, super smart growing up in high school and went to Stanford and Yale and da, 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 da. And then I started reading studies about how dancers' brains are like 20% bigger if you start at a young age. So it's like, oh, actually it does require a lot of brains to do dance. So I wish I knew that as a kid. I wish my older self could tell my younger self that I was actually smarty pants. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a good point though, because it does involve so much of that coordination and memorization and all of that stuff. And then just like a connection with your body. I feel like it's so hard to explain because dance does require such a strong connection with your body. But then I also feel like when you watch movies or TV shows about like ballet specifically the way they portray it is that dancers have such a difficult relationship with their body because there's such a portrayal of it as being like you have to look a certain way and everything like that so did you ever face that while you were dancing oh absolutely and I think you know I still face it today it's like you grow up with your value being placed on what you look like I mean, that's a model, that's an actor, that's a, a dancer. What you look like counts. And and I wish it wasn't so, but that's kind of what you enter in and you have a contract with that in a way. And I think we're starting to break that and shift that and change the the baseline of what's beautiful. But absolutely, I struggled with that, especially in college when... Let's see. I think it was my sophomore year. I started losing weight and I got tons of attention for it. I wasn't meaning to. We were just rehearsing like crazy and kind of coming out of maybe just childhood, like extra cushion on my body. I was just kind of naturally losing it. And then, whoa, I was getting more parts. All of a sudden I was getting way more attention from my teachers. And then I kind of pushed that choice to go thinner and I was working out even though I was going to ballet class and modern class and rehearsing at night and still going on the elliptical. That's crazy to me right now, you know? So it is quite sad that dancers and other folks and really all of us as a culture have this pressure to look a certain way. And I think coming back to the joy of movement itself has helped me and also realizing that 
what I eat and what I do physically is all about what feels good, what feels yummy, what feels delightful in this we existence in this vessel of mine that I have for a short period. So how can I kind of elevate that by creating pleasure and sweetness and softness without you know, there's a line, right? Because like I ate a bunch of cheese on Saturday night, which I normally don't do. And like, I'm fully okay with cheese, but like a bunch of cheese doesn't make me feel great. But you know, it's like always like a sweet balance of finding that. Yeah. Your story and explaining the challenges you went through with your body as a dancer when you were young reminded me so much of my sister who grew up as a ballerina and then started cross country in high school and had these like very competing competing sports and just felt Mm. like her body ended up not fitting into either of them. And it was until college when she got into yoga that she really found herself and had like a true connection with her body again. So I want to hear you were obviously have your teacher training in yoga and became really into fascia. So I want to hear about how that kind of was a nice mix where you found that delightful spot. Mm, that's that's so great. Uh, I'm glad your sister found that for herself too. Yeah, I started, uh, let's see, I had a younger friend in, in my ballet school, Lila, and she brought me to the the one and only Pilates studio in Santa Barbara <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> which then started also hosting yoga as well. So I'd start doing Pilates at 15, which was like, oh my gosh, wow, this is really helping my dancing. And then I tried yoga for the same reason. And then yoga turned into, of course, a more spiritual practice and like a way to self-love, to tune inward in a way that ballet was not. Because even though I had an amazing ability to go in and feel my body as a young dancer and really kind of be physically intelligent, no one is looking at you while you're you're inside your body. You don't have to look a certain way while you're also analyzing your physical self. So I could be with my physical self and like also have the outside world just be pure love because there wasn't this observational factor from the outside, if that makes any sense. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, yoga was kind of a place of solace for me. And in college, I was teaching cardio dance, actually, (laughs) cardio dance and like abs just for extra money at the university gym. And then they started asking me to teach yoga, even though I didn't have a certification. (laughs) This was back in the day before there was a lot of yoga teachers. I mean, my auntie trained with Ganga and Tracy White, who are old school yogis who kind of made yoga more popular in LA back in the 80s. And so she kind of pushed me and, and didn't push me, but suggested like, Hey, if you want to do teacher training, you should do it with my teachers who have a foundation up in the mountains of Santa Barbara. So after I graduated college, I did that that summer actually. And because as a a hoping to be professional dancer, I wanted some, you know, financial support on the back end. So yeah, I I did that teacher training and I taught on the side while I was dancing professionally for that extra money flow. And I got very hardcore in my young twenties with my yoga practice and maybe till like 26. I mean, I was practicing very often each week because I really thought it was saving my body and kind of creating the sustainability for my physical self that I needed for professional career. Little did I know that I was actually creating injuries through my yoga practice. Like I was going too far in poses. I was doing really extreme poses. I was so flexible. I could do all sorts of shapes and arm balances and all the crazy stuff that I don't know if I tried it now I could do. But that's when I actually... Well, to backtrack, I I started tweaking my neck or my neck would tweak out maybe every other week. And that's one of those things where you're like, Hey guys, you can't move your neck around. <laughs> like, whoa, how am I supposed to pirouette if I can't turn my head? So I started seeking help and the owner of the yoga teacher of the yoga studio I was teaching at met my former teacher, Bob Cooley and brought Bob in for a lecture at the yoga studio. And 
I think six months prior, me and, me and another yoga teacher started reading Bob's book and we're like, whoa, there's something to this. I did a quad stretch out of the book. I didn't even know if I was doing it right. But all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually changing my tissue in a way I didn't know was possible. I had a detox reaction. I had like a hot, cold flush right away. I was like, knew I was releasing toxins in my body from doing this specific stretch. And six months later, I went to his lecture. He kind of pinned me. He was like, you, (laughs) you should come learn this and become a trainer. You have a lot of body knowledge, blah, blah, blah. And I received my first private session from one of his trainers and I couldn't believe the change in my body. And I had rehearsal the next morning. I was in ballet class and I was like, whoa, my toes are pointing better than normal. I can just like find my balance in a second. I was jumping higher. I just couldn't believe the change. And so I still have a very deep love story with my yoga practice. And I love to take someone's class and like feel that kind of sweet support. But this new tool, what I call fascia flossing, changed my body in a way that helped me work through all of my injuries. I think after a couple sessions, I have no more injuries like perpetual tendonitis in my foot, et cetera. And it's been an amazing journey to watch bodies change so quickly with this work. And yeah, so that was, that's been a big uh, physical journey from Pilates to yoga. Of course, I went deep into Pilates too in university and I appreciate all those different things. And I think when I learned Bob's work, there was a sense of relief. Like I don't have to go to yoga every single day to try to stay ahead of my physicality and support my physical health that way. Like there was finally a tool that worked, a tool that I could rely on if I had a problem, but most importantly, it created the sustainability in my body to this day. My body feels younger than it did at 25 when I was abusing it, so to speak, <laughs> not intending to, but rehearsal all day and yoga and da 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 da, and going too far in yoga poses, da 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 da. Here we are. I feel healthier than ever, which is really cool. Yeah. I'm so intrigued by all of this. So what is an actual fascia flossing session look like? Like if it's say you working one-on-one with a client, does that mean that you're instructing them on what to do? Or are you actually moving their body? How does it work? And also yeah, why and- does it work? Like why, what makes it different than just regular stretching? Totally. Okay. Let's start there because that's kind of important to know. Resistant stretching or fascia flossing is just like how animals stretch. You can watch them kind of pull on the ground as they pull themselves back into a stretch. They're actually engaged. They're not passive. So we've all been taught from our heritage and stretching and yoga to get into a shape, go as far as you can and relax and breathe through it. There's been many studies unfortunately showing that that can often micro tear your tissue or cause instability of the joints. We have to differentiate between hypermobility and true flexibility. So when we're overstretching or micro tearing, what happens is that we get super flexible in one area, usually the joint structure, but the surrounding tissues in the meat of the muscle group. So let's imagine the hip versus the hamstring and the meat of the muscle of the hamstring, there will be thickened tissue. It will get thicker and thicker over time. Every time you micro tear, your body lays down another layer of fibers to repair those tears, causing you to be tighter. And the hip joint itself, ligaments and tendons, which don't have the capacity to kind of spring back in elasticity, will get more mobile. So you have this juxtaposition between the tissue being really hard and the joints being really open. And that's when you cause injury or you just feel uncomfortable in your body all the time. At least that's what happened to me because it wasn't making sense that I was on the sidelines in rehearsal every day, stretching my hamstrings all the time, me and my good friend, Angela, and she flosses with me now. We would be stretching, stretching, stretching. We were the good girls, right? (laughs) But we also always felt so tight, so unconscious, so hard in our hamstrings. We're like, what is this? And until I did that first Bob stretch, 
from the book did I realize, oh, my tissue is not supposed to be hard as a rock. There's supposed to be some gush to it. And so this is what the flossing does. So back to the animal, they're pulling back, they're engaged as they're stretching. When you engage the tissue and elongate it, there's this gentle yanking that happens along the fibers, along the fascial fibers. What's possible is that they break apart the old dry junky ones that aren't really serving your tissue anymore. And they get rinsed out through the bloodstream, through the lymph and you poop, pee, sweat or cry it out of your body. So you're essentially breaking up old tissue that doesn't help your body in any way. And it gets cleaned out. And there was a Um, An endoscopic study with Dr. Gimberto, who's one of the fascial experts on the globe, did with Bob a while back and they kind of watched what happened as you're doing engagement plus elongation. That's the floss. So you engage and you elongate. That creates that yanking or internal exfoliation. As more and more exfoliation happens, the tissue clears out and the muscles regain the real estate. Or in other words, they're more able to strengthen, contract, expand. So if you think of fascia, if you don't know what fascia is, go on a little YouTube like 10 minute journey. (laughs) That's your homework, everybody. I'm such a teacher. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Go on a little fascia scope out and see what it is. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's not so great for vegetarians, but if you don't know what it is, if you opened up a chicken and you see that clear film, that's fascia. Or you look at a steak and you see the marble in the steak, that's fascia, sometimes fat, the white marble, that being so Fascia is the one material that connects everything in the body. So it's linking, it's like a massive web inside your body, but also it wraps our muscle tissue. And if it gets really tight, it can condense and act like a tourniquet around our muscle tissue. So if you imagine exfoliating that out and releasing the fascia to a degree, then the muscle gets to take back that space that it was formerly compressed as. So that's what fascia flossing is. We're essentially cleaning your body from the inside out. We can work on every major muscle group. And mostly we find the most density of fascia in the backs of the legs, outside of the legs, the hips, the upper shoulders, the backs of the arms. And so when folks come to see me as per a private session, as you're asking before, I will have them contract a muscle group. They stay contracted and then I elongate them as they stay contracted and that's creating the gentle yank again, the internal exfoliation of the tissue. So all work on their body almost always with an assistant because the fascia is strangely stronger than steel per weight. And it's five to 12 times stronger than muscle tissue. So if you think of the difference between muscle and fascia, when you open a door and you pull it open, you're using muscle. This is a very simplified explanation. But or if you use your body weight to push on the door, like you have a heavy door and there's a snowstorm outside, you're using leverage, you're using the fascia. So the fascia actually has much more horsepower, so to speak. That's not scientific at all. But so I have to have an assistant to help me. Sometimes if I'm like working on an older guy's hamstrings, there'll be hundreds of pounds of force that I can't overcome on my own. So Yeah. So that's what happens is that we work on specific muscle groups. We create specific vectors, patterns for each person. And as the client is resisting, I'm creating a very specific pattern in the movement to affect where they're most dense in their fascia. So let's say we're doing a rotator cuff thing. Everyone's vector as I work on them is going to be specific to them because some people might have more dense fascia on the top of their shoulder. Some people might have more on the back of their shoulders. So there are specific movements, but I'm creating lines that are very idiosyncratic. (laughs) How do you kind of evaluate where it's worse and what you need to work on? Is it by touching it or is it by watching the range of motion? That's such a good question. It's actually through my hands. I'm feeling, but it's you. we have to also differentiate between an external force. Like if you're getting a massage, you're getting rolfed. They're using their hand to try to change the fascia from the outside in. 
I'm sensing the fascia's thickness based on their resistance. So the denser the fascia is, the more resistance they can generate. The healthier the fascia is and the more kind of balanced the muscle tissue and fascia is, there will be kind of this elasticity and ease of movement. So I go wherever it's hardest. So if they have scar tissue in their hamstring, the easy way out is to go around it. But I'm trying to go on the very hardest path or the vector of most resistance. That's going to do the most good for that specific person. So I'm feeling the quality of the tissue through their resistance through my hands. It's really hard to explain. It's better. It's better um, experience, but you know, we're doing what we can on the podcast setup, right? <laughs> that was my question of if I were to go to do some fascia stretches tomorrow, where would I begin? And mm. I also read you speak a bit about this and spoke that not only is it for stretching and that muscle tension, but also could have Affect your gut health, your UTIs, mm. your bladder. So I mm. want to hear about like how I could personally know which areas to practice on, but also if I was dealing with something specific like that. Yeah. So different from the private sessions that you could go see someone, you could look up Bob Cooley's studio. He has a space in Santa Barbara or Boston. There's quite a few practitioners around the country, but if you can't get to someone, self-practice is a great way to go. And you can get a lot of stuff done by working at home. And I teach live twice a week. And sometimes we do like a five to 10 day change it all up challenge in a row. So that's another option. There's tons of classes on my YouTube or on Ghost Flowers YouTube or on our IG TV. So that's a great place to start if you want to try it out on your own. The self stretches are fabulous because instead of having someone to have to manipulate you, you're really doing it yourself. And so it sends you on a self exploration journey. And as you start flossing on your own, you'll start to feel and sense the quality of your own fascia which is so cool. It's like, oh my gosh, I have some scar tissue in my inner right thigh. (laughs) Wow, I have really great elastic tissue on my upper right shoulder. This is super. This is not the problem area. The problem area is my scar tissue in my inner right thigh or whatever it is. And then once you kind of sense those spaces, you can add more time, attention, and awareness to work on that area. And what's fun about this work is that we use the Chinese medicine roadmap as a lens on the body. So we can map out the body in terms of this classical, beautiful, ancient practice that was observed for thousands of years and how they figured out how the liver is associated with the chain of fascia on your inner thigh is beyond me. I'm just completely amazed in awe of all the time and observation it took them to kind of figure out this patterning of the body, the patterning, the organization of how the chi or the life force flows. So I kind of get to very humbly and graciously, gratefully receive this this map that they've laid out in the body. Some research possibly shows based on embryology that the fascial chains could be the network in which in which the chi flows and correlates with the traditional Chinese medicine meridians. It's quite possible. It feels possible in my body. And we don't have a complete answer for that yet. It's up for everyone to decide for themselves. But for instance, the stomach meridian runs along Well, it starts underneath the eye, it zigzags around the jaw, it goes up to the temporalis, it comes down through the voice box, it goes over your chest, through your nipples, down the outsides of your belly button, and it lines up with your lateral quad. The quad being the biggest muscle group of that chain of fascia. So we can really work the quads and we can stimulate the chi to get moving through that chain of fascia. So to answer your question, if you were having stomach issues, maybe you wanted to find a little metabolism balancing, if it's too slow, too fast, those things are associated with the stomach meridian in Chinese medicine. And so for me in my practice, I would work my quad if I wanted to work on those things for myself or 
I felt like my liver needed some support. I would work my inner thighs, my adductors, because that's a, a line where the, the liver channel runs along that interior fascia there. So that's kind of really fun that you can map the body. Not everyone like has an understanding of what that map is, but we can simplify it. In my class, I simplify it as a starting point, like a gateway drug for people to get more interested, investigate into Chinese medicine and what those clues can lead you to. Hopefully some buried treasure. <laughs> Speaking of mapping the body, talk a little bit about ghost flower because this line that you created, doesn't it have some of the different points on leggings and everything like that? Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you asked me. I can get into like full nerd version and just like go really deep. (laughs) Ghost flower was the idea came about from one of my clients, Susie, who's now my main co-founder. And she had this idea. She was getting worked on by me and she would always come in and be like, I can't remember the meridians. What meridian are we working on now? Like say I was working her quad we're doing stomach I'd be like okay this is associated with metabolism forward movement your relationship with work da 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 she's like oh my gosh she super got she got into all of it and was like I need to learn this so she took the teacher training one weekend and she still was like I cannot remember where the meridians are so I drew them on my leggings she comes to me the next week for a private she's like I drew the meridians on my leggings will you help me make a real pair of leggings, essentially for an educational purpose. Will you help me bond make these leggings? And I was like, that sounds tacky, but sure, why not? (laughs) Yeah, so silly. But you know, it's evolved into this luxury active wear. Like at one point I was like, we can't we can't have all the meridians on one leggings. I think we're all in agreement on that. And I was like, what if we do the balancing organs? And then someone else in the group now, she was like, well, why don't we do the five elements? I'm like, that's perfect. There's a story behind it. People always can relate to the five elements. So our line has in textured seams, they track the energy channels and we tried to be as accurate as possible. We had acupuncturists, we had scientists like really working on it with us and we placed key acupressure points, the master points really only on the clothes so that people could use the clothes as a map to help them find these amazing secrets of Chinese medicine, not secrets, but tools, a little toolkit on your body. And what's amazing is that the points are fairly accurate. And everyone always asks me, so do the clothes press your points for you? We're like, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I actually wondered that. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Everybody asks that. And we're like, no, we want you to interface with your body. So the, the clothes are a map. They help you get really close to the treasure, the buried treasure. And then you have to really find it yourself, which is so cool. So there's lots of tutorials on the ghost flower IG. If you want help finding your points, whether you have the clothes or not, we're just super excited to get people into Chinese medicine, even if it's on a first time, first come basis. That's so cool. I love that it's on the leggings. It's such a great product and so good for people to get into it. Like, I feel like if I was doing this on my own, I would have no idea. Yeah. And it's so great. Once you know your points, you can push them anywhere, anytime. Like when we're in normal life, like on the subway, I'd be always pushing my points. If I'm on a call (laughs) and pushing my points, I mean, I think last summer I was pushing my liver point between my first and second toe on the webbing there. And I was like, whoa, what did I eat last night? Because this point is so tender and people were talking to me on the ghost flower call. They're like, Bon, Bon. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was pressing my liver three and I'm just like, what's going on? Was very on brand moment, right? (laughs) It was like spacing out on a call, but it was still on brand. So it made it okay somehow. That's That's so so cool that you can feel that though. Is that kind of like when you go to acupuncture and they kind of like press around a little bit before they put the needle in? That's such a good question. Yeah. For one, points can kind of morph um, where they are on your body slightly because 
how Dr. Dan Keown, he's a really great PhD acupuncturist and actually MD Western medicine doctor who helped us start Ghost Flower. He always says the points are the spaces between the fascia. So it's not that there's like a mound or a button in your body that you're pushing. You're actually going after the space between. So in Chinese medicine, an acupressure point or acupoint translates to spirit cave or little well. So it's like you're pressing in and this is where the chi flows is between the fascia, not in the fascia or on the fascia. It's like the fascia is conducting the energy and creating space for the chi to flow. So chi always moves into space. Wherever there's the least resistance, the chi can go into those open spaces. So the other part of that question is that I use the points as a barometer for how I'm doing. So for instance, spleen six, you guys can all find this at home. You find your inner ankle bone, you measure three fingers up from your inner ankle bone, just behind the shin, there's a point. And if you're pregnant, you're going to skip it. But this one's so good for all female health attributes and digestion and concentration and shyness. There's a plethora of benefits to pressing this point on the regular. And because I press it on the regular, I can notice fluctuation. So right before my period, this point gets really tender because there's more swelling. There's that heightened aspect of the hormones building up. There's kind of this tension in the body. And then when the the blood starts flowing, this point usually chills out. So same with my liver three point, it's said to be a detox point. If I had a nice like fun night, if I had a little ice cream or like a big ice cream, then this point's going to be a little more tender the next morning than say if I was just kind of on my regular programming. So yeah, the the points are really neat that way because you can use them as your own barometer and if they're practiced on the regular, you can really sense a change. I did at least. Those two that you just mentioned, I feel like every time I get acupuncture, she puts a needle in each of those two spots. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so those must be big ones, at least for those me. Those <laughs> are, yeah, for sure. I mean, it'd be rare if you're a female and you didn't get spleen sick. So <laughs> yeah, especially because yeah, are... I do it for hormonal balance. So I feel like that's just like a big part of it. Exactly. Yeah, they're heavy hitters. They really are amazing. And I think that was my entry to acupuncture. I was I was dancing still professionally. I think I was maybe 24. I had my first acupuncture session and I walked in for Achilles tendonitis stuff. And she helped me get through that. Like I was amazed with how much change happened, but I also walked out of there with no more sinus infections. I used to get sinus infections every other month as a kid. And in my twenties, it was a little better, but I was still getting them at least every winter, not, you know, maybe a couple of times in the winter. And she got rid of that. And I was like, whoa, 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 <laughs> what is this stuff? <laughs> I wish I had access to this as a kid. So it's one of my dreams is to make acupuncture and, and acupressure and all these traditional medicines more accessible to folks who don't have access. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I have a lot of homework tonight to look into all of these pressure points because it's so interesting. And I love that, like, it's just little things you could do at home to be a little more in tune with your body or relieve yourself of some tension. So it's so cool. This conversation was so fun. And we always shift now to ask you a few lighthearted questions. Okay, cool. Fun. What is your favorite method of self-care? Oh, well, dancing, of course. (laughs) My (laughs) girlfriends and I, yeah, (laughs) my girlfriends and I have been getting together on Zoom and our teacher, Oliver Steele, is still teaching over Zoom during this time. It's been a lifesaver for sure. Of course, just like some dance breaks too, just popping on a tune and jumping around. But I also like treats. I feel like that's a great form of self-care is to, I always say a little bit of dessert reminds you of the sweetness of life. And I like to really like tap into what I'm having and, and really enjoy it. Yeah. I feel like that part of it is so important, actually tapping into the fact that you're treating yourself and enjoying it. And what is one must have quality for you and a significant other? Mm, I think playfulness because I can get so, well, I can just be too hard of a worker and kind of just like 
a little too serious. So I think someone who is playful and kind of can have fun and be silly. I think being able to expose your silly side in a relationship is very important. Yes, for sure. It's like your true authentic self and you could be with that with someone. So I love that. It's such a good answer. What is one food you can't live without? Okay, let's clarify this question. Is this a single ingredient or is this a, like a, a meal? Anything It can you be want. a meal too. It's basically, <laughs> people have gotten really technical with it, but we really just mean it more in a fun way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like if you had one food, you could only eat the rest of your life. That question, it's actually yes. kind of hard. <laughs> um, I think when I used to be able to eat gluten, it would be like a homemade piece of sourdough bread cooked on the grill with olive oil and a little garlic rubbed on with a homegrown slice of a of an heirloom tomato, some basil, some microgreens on top and maybe some avocado. And I feel like I could eat that every day of my life. That but I sure like <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I think that would be it. You know, I I wouldn't love to give up blueberries or ice cream either. So you might put that in the mix. Do you have a gluten intolerance or an allergy? Yeah, slight allergy I developed when I was older. Actually, I'm not quite sure what instigated it. But um, yeah, now when I eat it, I get a little rash. No big deal. Some brain fog. But Mm -hmm. I just kind of stay away from it. I feel better. I didn't know to get rid of it until I went with work to Costa Rica for three weeks once. And there was no gluten around or not much. And I was like, wow, I feel so much better. And so then I kind of figured out, I was like, oh, okay, let's keep going with this. And it's been maybe six years now that I've, I realized it. Yeah. That's so interesting that that's how you figured it out. Yeah. My friend was encouraging me, but I was very resistant to take, to cut it beforehand, but he was right. All right. Well, so to wrap it up and you kind of alluded to this earlier, but what is a piece of advice you would give to yourself 10 years ago or just to your younger self? Hmm. I think to know that everything is coming your way and you don't have to try too freaking hard, (laughs) try hard and do your best, but don't go over the top and work like a maniac. I think knowing that the the plan is coming to you and it's all laid out in in a sense. Yes. I really love that advice. It's so true. Mm. But this was so much fun, Bonnie. Thank you so much for being here with us. This was a topic we haven't really explored or talked about before on the podcast. So it was really cool to hear your perspective on it. Right on. Thank you guys so much. And please be my guest in our fascia flossing class anytime. Yes. Tell everyone where to find you. You mentioned it a couple of times, but just if they want to take a class with you or work with you one-on-one. Yeah, best thing to do is go to my IG. My personal is Bonzi, B-O-N-Z-S-I, or the Goes Flower Active Instagram. Both links in bio will have a link to sign up and you'll go from there. Thank you so much. Awesome. Have a great afternoon. Thank you, guys. Thank you.